Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Kristen Eichemann. And back on the show with us today, Eric's Heritage Foundation Senior Communications Manager, Marguerite Bowling. Marguerite, welcome back. It's been a minute. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. We have you back on the show and at the start of summer. This is a great time to have you back on. We have uh, many a topic that we want your perspective as a comms professional and as a mom on today, which we're excited to talk about. But given the fact that uh, it is the unofficial start of summer, we talked last week about some recommendations for summer beach reads. So this week, the question is, what type of summer water person are you? Pool, beach, lake, river? Oh, they're all great. I, I gotta say lake. I'm, okay? I'm jonesing a lake vacation. Yeah, I'm actually the same. I think there's something incredibly peaceful so calm about the lake more so than any other place the the ocean's very relaxing but the noise there's something about the noise of the waves that it is coming but yeah there's something about the total silence of a lake that just you can't match that piece you tend to be a little more isolated Mm -hmm. it's it's not as crowded well it depends where you go (laughs) true true Kristen. Well, yeah, no, I mean, being um, from the Midwest and having the Great Lakes, you would think that that would be my answer. Oh, but yeah. I've been going to the beach every summer since Aww. I was, you know, I think one. I have a Aww. my mom has a photo of me with little purple sunglasses and super cute. But I just so love cute. the beach. I love, you know, drinking a high noon or a, a Corona light or something like that. And and just being in the salty water, it just, you know, makes my hair and my skin feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you all have the same beach that you go to every summer? Or do you change it up? Well, so we used to go to Ocean City in Maryland, which is, like, not the popular one, I guess. But my grandparents live in Amelia Island, um, so go there a lot. That sounds lovely. Now I want to go to the beach. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) It's a great place to be. (laughs) Oh, summer. Love summer. All right, well, we have... A full, a full show planned for today. A great show. Hey, if you're driving to the beach this weekend, yeah. we're first off envious. But yeah, uh, with you. yeah <laughs> thanks for thanks for bringing us along on your ride. If if you're listening for a summer, a little summer beach getaway to problematic women. But Kristen, what do we have queued up on today's show? Up on today's Problematic Women, Target is losing money amid controversy over its transgender clothing line. We'll explain how tuck-friendly swimsuits may have cost the company billions. Plus, half of the states across America now protect life past 12 weeks of pregnancy. We will tell you which states and where the fight for life stands. Also on today's show, a new study has concluded that your morning bagel might cause brain fog. And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Women of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find those stories that are of particular interest to conservative leaning or problematic women. That is those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. Target is paying the price, literally, for pushing a transgender agenda on our kids. If you are following the Problematic Women Instagram account, then you saw the video that Sarah Partial Perry made in Target just last week. The store is now selling tuck-friendly bathing suits. These are bathing suits for men 
who identify as women so that they can wear bathing suits that look like women. Uh, but of course, they have different parts that women don't have. So the tuck friendly is meant to mitigate the appearance of certain body parts in those swimsuits. So uh, this is just one of the items that Target has. They also have t-shirts that say trans people will always exist and things like not a phase. And if you've been to Target recently, you'll see that this isn't just a few items. It's actually a whole section dedicated to transgender clothing, to LGBTQ plus clothing, really pushing that agenda. But Target shoppers, many of whom our women, and specifically moms, they're not happy about this. And the proof, the proof is in the money. They always say in the news, follow the money. And many news outlets, including the Daily Signal, that's exactly what we have been doing. So Target stock has fallen significantly over the past two weeks. On May 17th, Target uh, stock was about $160 a share. Then shares really started falling on May 18th and have pretty much continued falling since then. And we're now down to about $135 a share. Fox Business reports that this decline in Target stock values equal $9.3 billion in market value, a $9.3 billion drop in the market value of Target just by looking at the way that their stock has fallen. So conservative news outlets like Fox and uh, the New York Post, they say that this decline is directly related to shoppers boycotting the store over this transgender agenda that's being pushed really specifically on kids and youth. Walmart, one of Target's uh, key competitors, they've also seen its stock struggle a little bit in the past couple of weeks, but not nearly to the extent of Target. Um, Target stock has fallen about twice as much percentage-wise as Walmart's has. So, I mean, you could make an argument that, you know, this is inflation and people are spending less and they're not going out and buying the new bathing suit because, uh, you know, they have to they have to watch the budget because gas costs more and groceries cost more and whatnot. Uh, but this feels like it might be a little bit bigger than just inflation. What do you all think? Yeah, I mean, it's Target. Like, who's not going to Target? I mean, <laughs> I'm not a frequent shopper, but all of my friends and all of the influencers that I follow on Instagram are obsessed with Target and have mm -hmm. not stopped going just because of Biden inflation. Um, my first, you know, thoughts on this is that people are mad. We saw mm -hmm. this with Bud Light. Stop making it seem like it's not that. People can be mad. People can choose to vote with their cash and choose to show what they value with how they spend their money. And at the end of the day, people are really upset about this. Um, AP News came out on May 26th and actually said something. It, its headline was not real news. A look at what didn't happen this week and said um, that basically Target's Pride Collection features does not feature bathing suits for kids. Um, that is labeled tuck friendly. And sadly, you know, AP used to be a very reputable uh, news outlet. Sadly, we've seen um, via different social media and um, other, you know, reporters that have kind of taken on online um, reporting as a result of this kind of biasness we're seeing in the news. And they showed young children bathing suits labeled tuck friendly. Mm -hmm. So what can you believe? Um, a lot of people are frustrated and I mean, to say that this was a result of things costing more is just simply rhetoric. Mm. Yeah. Marguerite, your mom, what do you think? Yeah, I've so I, I've sadly ended my Target runs. And not mm. that I was ever 
capable to go out and go to a store and have that luxury with three small children. <laughs> but at the very least, I could order stuff and go pick it up. Sure. But um, when this artist, Aprobellum, um, however you say uh, their name, uh, that identifies as transgender and satanic or Satanist, yeah. puts out this line of just gross stuff that is supposed to be targeted to children, that to me, it's just that's that's the line, right? Mm-hmm. Like. It, the kids know, like, they hit a certain point, and then there's punishment. And that's – I just feel like they've hit the line. And I'm not going to frequent the store. I'm not going to give them my money. And I'll just get creative on what I need to do. And I know that other outlets are woke too. But there's just a point where you hit that line. You're like, no, no more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it it is true that if we didn't shop at any company that had some sort of very lefty – agenda, then, you know, it's like we would be making everything at home by hand. But um, there, I think you you just have to set personal lines. And when it comes to promoting a really harmful, confusing, identity attacking agenda on children, on children, the most vulnerable population who are going through puberty, who are figuring out who they are, who are curious and asking questions. When we're uh, when a company is attacking them, that is a line in the sand. And that's where it's all right. You know what? Um, I I don't like a lot of things that a lot of companies do, but this is just too far. So, I mean, the question is, is is Target getting the message? Do they actually hear the complaints from consumers? They probably hear them. They're just trying to think, how can we still get the most money out of people, right? So mm-hmm. I I don't think that this is about, you know, certainly they're trying to score points on the, on the woke meter. But uh, at the end of the day, they want to make money. And yeah. they're going to say and do whatever they can to maybe mitigate whatever dangers they see. But I think they face a real danger of brand distaste, right? So what's going on with Bud Light? There's a brand distaste. People just see it as toxic. And to me... Target's the same way. Like there's a there's just a distaste now. Instead of it's like the opposite of loyalty. It's just I, I just don't want to frequent there. Mm-hmm. And do do they overcome it? I don't know. Their 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 agenda right now is to say, oh well, we're worried about the security of our of our employees, and and we still we still want to promote all the the woke agenda. Um, but they've already gone all in. I don't I don't see how they're going to change course. Yeah, I think what is most interesting, too, is how you haven't heard much. I, I just literally, as of this recording on Tuesday, looked at both t- Target News and Target's Twitter, and they haven't really said anything on the matter. Hmm. It's very sad. And I think what also is kind of scary is they're quickly learning that this is not a phase that America is going through, kind of like their hoodies said that it's not a phase. Um, <laughs> it, it is not a phase that Americans are being just, you know, they're just pissed off about wokeism infiltrating their children's lives. And people, again, are just pushing back. Um, I think what's funny, though, and, and when I first saw these hoodies, before it really, you know, got big, I was looking at Target for, for inflatable pools for a Memorial Day party, basically, you know, nothing related to to swimwear. But um, what I saw is I, I saw that not a phase sweatshirt. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what a stupid sweatshirt, because you saw all of these, you know, emo goth era people saying it's not a phase, mom, like this isn't a phase in the 90s. But where are they now? <laughs> it was a phase. So great argument. You're going to be, you know, totally irrelevant in less than 10 years. Yeah. Well, and I think that's it just it's playing. It's playing on 
teenager lingo, yeah. right? That any any phase that a teenager goes through, it feels, you know, like they want to say, this, this is, is who I am, this is me. And honestly, there's a level where that, like, that's beautiful. It's part of growing up, having that rebellion. It's hormones raging. Um, but when you get into talking about then young people making decisions that could affect their bodies for the rest of their lives to where it it the reality plays out where in some ways yeah you're right it's not a phase because you've yeah. removed your breasts mm-hmm. and you've ruined your body to right. now where you can't actually make a baby yeah now it's not a phase you're right you've chosen this and it's detrimental mm-hmm. and it's so dangerous and uh, i think what target's missing is that the american people we're not okay with this, and they're putting their foot down. And I'm really glad that people are speaking with their dollars because as consumers, this is one of the most powerful ways we have to let our voices be known is to say, you know what, I'm not going to support a business that is pushing something that I so diametrically oppose. Yeah, and the market's going to find an alternative. So mm-hmm. you know, the other side might say, oh, you can't, you just got to go to Walmart or Amazon. Well, no, there's going to be other stuff that's going to pop up um, there is like apps like I believe Public Square is one where it's like they actually push beliefs and like just traditional American values and, and the retailer, retailers there. Um, so there's going to be things or uh, opportunities that come from this. So, you know, it's it's not just a make or break. You know, Target's not our only store. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think about um, quick plug for friends over at Garnu, the tampon brand that, you know, with all of the wokeness with women's uh, hygiene products, you know, when Macy Maxson saw that happening, she decided to start Garnu, a tampon brand that supports women and says only women are women. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're right, Marguerite. I think the alternatives arise <laughs> out of these kind of situations, which is in part the beauty of free markets. Uh, but stay tuned because up next, we share what states across America are now doing in regards to the issue of abortion and how so many have decided to protect life. But first, if you are enjoying this episode of Problematic Women and you're searching for other like-minded podcasts, then I encourage you all to check out the Students Over Systems podcast. It's a production of the Independent Women's Forum. Every other Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, host Ginny Gentles is joined by parents and policymakers to discuss school choice and parental rights. Students Over Systems charts a path to a brighter future by featuring the voices of the creators, advocates, and beneficiaries of education freedom. And if you cannot wait for that new episode, you can listen to past episodes at iwf.org, or you can just search for Students Over Systems podcast in your favorite podcast app. June 24th will mark one year since Roe v. Wade was overturned. And for all of our listeners, you've heard us say so many times on this show that really what happened after Roe v. Wade was overturned was that power was returned back to you. It was returned back to the states. It was returned back to the lawmakers that you have elected in your state to pass and and make laws in your state. And now 25 states across America either have laws in place or in the middle of trying to pass laws, move laws forward to protect babies after 12 weeks of pregnancy. The New York Times reports that there are 14 states that protect life in the womb starting at conception and they ban almost all abortion all abortions. Kristen, can you 
Give us a rundown on those 14 states. For sure. Yes, those states are Idaho, North and South Dakota, Wisconsin, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi, and Alabama. Roll Tide. So, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then in addition, you have Georgia, Florida, and South Carolina. They have uh, bans after six weeks of pregnancy. They protect life after six weeks of pregnancy. Um, North Carolina in May officially passed a bill protecting babies after 12 weeks of pregnancy. Nebraska has a similar law and multiple other states like Montana and Wyoming, they are seeking to ban abortion in their states, but there are are lawsuits that are blocking those bills from taking effect. And on the far other side, you have states like Alaska, New Mexico, New Jersey, Oregon, Vermont, that have no limits on abortion. You can have an abortion up until right before you're delivering that baby. Uh, Marguerite, we were literally divided as a nation on this issue where we have 25 states that have really taken great measures to protect life, 25 that haven't. What do you think that says about where we stand on this issue as a nation? I think you're seeing of a reflection that most Americans want limits on abortion. Mm. They don't want it all the way up until birth. And that's what we've seen in public polling. Um, and really, when the dust settles and half of America is basically caught up with Europe, where wow. you've got 47 of the 15 nations in, in Europe banning elective abortions after 15 weeks, well, we have it at 12, basically, because we know that's when babies can start feeling pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do, you have a divide um, in this country. And, you know, we have that from political divide. There's a values divide. Um, so there's part of America where it's kind of the Wild West and they're along with seven other countries that allow late-term abortions to happen. And then you've got states that, you know, lawmakers are really trying to protect the unborn. Yeah. Well, and I was really encouraged recently, the the pro-life organization, Susan B. Anthony, Pro-Life America, they estimate that roughly 60,000 lives have been saved by pro-life laws since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Uh, First off, it's just something that's worth celebrating, that there are 60,000 people likely alive today. These are our, our friends, our, our future teachers, lawmakers, uh, law enforcement officers. Um, these are Americans that we get to now watch grow up. And it's just really like that's that's huge. That's significant. That's a lot of people, 60,000 lives. Um, and I, I think as, as I thought about that, you know, the main argument that we so often heard from the pro-abortion community before Roe v. Wade was overturned was this question of what are you going to do with all those babies when they're born? How are we going to care for them? Um, does it look like the pro-life movement is is stepping up to care for those moms and those babies. Do we know what's happening there? Are are we as a pro-life movement doing our job well in this area? I think you have sort of a multi-tier where you have like local pregnancy resource centers that are doing their best to help moms materially when it comes to the needs for their babies. But I think I'm encouraged with what Heritage is doing in trying to strengthen family formation. So, you know, it, it, we need to give an alternative to the hookup culture that brings about moms on their own with their kids, forced with that horrible decision of, do I keep this child or not? Um, we need to give children healthy marriages and strong families. Mm. And we need to support this idea of marriage and community for these moms 
who need it. They need the support. I cannot imagine as a mom of three doing it on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, we have to look materially and help moms when they're in that crisis. They, they just need diapers and they just need wipes. They just need a help, a nap. But, oh, my gosh, we can always use Sleep. a nap. <laughs> um, it's, that's my dream. Like, Aww. don't give me a present. Give me a nap. Aww. But we, we have to also help moms by letting, letting them feel connected. And it's not that it takes a village. It takes a marriage. It takes mm. a strong wow. family to make that happen and to help those babies. I think that's such a holistic approach marguerite because it it is a little bit easy while we 100 percent support the pregnancy centers um i think we can really quickly turn to all right what what are these organizations what are these nonprofits doing kind of forgetting that at the end of the day we're created as people to be in family to To live in in relationships in relationships and be supported by a mom and a dad and to have that connection and that community from our earliest stages and uh, that I think is a really key part of the pro-life movement that maybe we don't talk about enough that how critical marriage is to this conversation and celebrating marriage and the beauty of it and its challenges and that it's messy and not perfect but that it's a hundred percent it is God's it's design very very much I cannot that you cannot put a value uh, a money value on my husband and his contributions um, and, I, and I think that's so much for other families, too. Even cohabitating doesn't bring those benefits that come from marriage for the children, for the for the parents. So, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm really encouraged that we've kind of taken the lead and we're certainly pushing ideas out there that really make marriage something that's not an obstacle, um, you know, certainly from the federal government. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, just to step in here, I have no experience with the, with the marriage um, situation. But I think what's really interesting, and again, to your point of giving a lot of hope to the policy area around all of this, is Heritage is really starting to look at, look past the economics of how do we, you know, ensure that they're supported economically, because mm-hmm. it's not an economic issue solely. Mm-hmm. It is in the sense that... Right. It is an economic factor in the sense that kids do cost money, but (laughs) um, it really is all about that community, which is why, you know, there's churches, there's community, there's, you know, for some people, CrossFit gyms. Um, And (laughs) (laughs) sorry, plug. Um, But I think that taking a more holistic view and looking not just at prescriptions, but descriptions, we actually had a conversation earlier about this um, at the Heritage Foundation, where you're looking at everything from family life economics, social life, all of that. And how are we creating environments for those 60,000 babies that have been now saved to thrive, contribute Mm -hmm. to society in meaningful ways, and to really be the best that they can be? And that is really encouraging. So I'm not sure that we're, you know, perfect solution yet for that, but I do think that we're on the way there. And we want to encourage more women to, you know, take on a more positive vision of marriage and family. Mm -hmm. Like, don't be afraid to get married. Don't be afraid to have that baby. Because I... Believe me, as a working mom, you do not have to give it all up. <laughs> yeah, I know, Marguerite. I I just want to brag on you for a second and say I so deeply admire the fact that you you are finding a way to to strike that balance with being really present with your kid. I, I know from hearing you talk, I know you don't always feel like you do it really well, <laughs> but you're you're giving it your all, and I really appreciate the fact that you do it with a smile. <laughs> I always say, you don't see me with my kids sometimes. <laughs> that 
that's the sure, harder job. Sure, that's the yeah, harder job. But I think that's any mom, yeah. you know. I, yeah, <laughs> I I can't speak from experience because I, I have not had my own kids yet. But um, I every single mom you talk to, they tell the stories of I just lost it. So <laughs> <laughs> I think whether you have a career going or not, that's just par for yeah, the course. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, uh, up next, we're talking a little bit about uh, another issue that is affecting everyone, not just women, though, men and women, food. Yeah, that's right. So take it away, Kristen. Take it away. All right, here we go. (laughs) Uh, Yes. So the food you eat may be lowering your IQ. (laughs) That gives a whole new meaning to you are what you eat, in my mind, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, Last month, a group of French scientists published a report that discussed the relationship between the consumption of refined carbohydrates and cognitive performance. And for those of you who haven't had time to Google yet, I, I did it for you. Refined carbohydrates is basically just a complex way of describing grain-based food. So think bread, white rice, cereals, and sadly, yes, pasta. <laughs> really, really sad Ooh. about that. <laughs> like I'm imagining Michael Scott, you know, carbo-loading before his big... Yeah, anywho, <laughs> that's what's going on in my mind right now. I'm really depressed. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, so this month, a group of French scientists reported that the consumption of refined carbohydrates may actually influence your cognitive performance negatively. They studied um, 95 healthy young adults between the ages of 20 and 30 to study the relationship between this carb consumption and cognitive performance. And and they basically did that with a Welschler's digital symbol substitution test. So for those of you who might not know what that is, essentially it's a puzzle that requires individuals to match symbol signs to letters that – those symbols are assigned to using a key. So it's like a little uh, keyword box at the hmm. top. There's a letter and it is associated with a symbol. And then you just quickly with a pen or a pencil write those letters down. And I think it spells something. It might not. Um, I think it just depends <laughs> on on the um, the tester. But what they found are or found is that there are negative impacts from the consumption of food with high glycemic index. Um, this isn't the first time scientists have looked into this relationship. In Brazil, scientists completed similar studies to understand the correlation between ultra-processed diets, so, you know, eating fast food, eating ramen for every meal, <laughs> Cheetos, <laughs> Cheetos etc., and how that lowers cognitive function. And Canadian researchers looked at the link between obesity and Alzheimer's disease, which very, very interesting. They found that um, people basically lose the functionality of their gray matter in their brain, which is basically what controls a lot of the day-to-day functions. So breathing, eating, moving your arms around, lifting, all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't know. I I thought this was really interesting because nutrition fads, they come come in and out like styles, basically. We've got Mm -hmm. our keto, we've got our paleo, we've got our Whole30, we've got all these options. But brain function really, I don't think many people have dug into this topic enough and how nutrition impacts. Like, obviously, it impacts. We all know that if you eat kale, it's probably better for your brain than if you eat french fries from McDonald's. But <laughs> I guess what is, what's your first take on this and, and all? Well, I I think uh, it felt in a way like, oh, of, of course. Like, at the end of the day, we have probably have all known this. We've all certainly, I think, suspected it. It's a little like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I was hoping that wasn't true. <laughs> um, but we've probably all experienced 
eating a big bowl of pasta or a croissant mm. and then just feeling like you've entered uh you know a, a fog I and wish you hadn't brought croissants I know <laughs> well it's <laughs> I I ate when I was on my vacation in Europe I ate a lot of croissants <laughs> and I, I'm trying to ditch the habit but I haven't yet because every time I see one I'm like oh a croissant <laughs> when in, when in Rome. so good uh but that brain fog and that oh I just want to take a nap now that comes after you eat a bunch of sugar or a bunch of carbs. Uh, and, you know, I, I think personally, and there's more and more and more research coming out on this, but we have seen the increase dramatically in cancer, in dementia, in, um, in heart disease, all of these terminal sicknesses have just skyrocketed in recent decades. What have we also seen skyrocket in recent decades? Processed food. Mm -hmm. The way we eat has fundamentally changed. And anyone who argues that there's not a direct link, I think, is naive. There is a link between what we eat and the diseases that we are seeing increase in our society. Yeah, and I think something that a lot of people kind of don't realize is a a really deadly disease is diabetes, you know, Mm -hmm. and that leads to a lot of what you just explained. Um, It's, you know, when you don't have control of your insulin, which naturally, I feel like I I was in kindergarten or maybe in elementary school when I learned that when you eat something, your insulin spikes. And I think that was, you know, Illinois' attempt to make kids aware of what they were eating. (laughs) Um, It scared the crap out of me. um, And now you're doing CrossFit, so it worked. Exactly. You know, that really, really did. Thank you, Illinois, for one thing. Um, But it it really is very scary because we're seeing a lot of young kids. My cousin is one of them who she was feeling great. She was riding her bike one day and then literally within a few hours, she was sick and in the emergency room. And Mm. it was because she was eating a lot of candy, a lot of processed food. She has since adjusted her diet, has changed change the what she's putting into her body. And I mean, I know that I go on my CrossFit rants a lot, but like really food is fuel and you have to be very weary of what you're you're putting in your body because it's a temple and, and it really could dictate how your lifespan is and how you perform day-to-day tasks as little as, you know, preparing a breakfast for someone or lifting. And I don't think enough people talk about that. We're just so focused on, you know, I'm starving. I need to eat something. I get hangry all the time. Ask my parents. And um, <laughs> and I want to eat something. So I... You reach for what's nearest, and it's often not healthy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it comes to just looking at it through moderation, right? Like, the processed foods you really want to cut back because so, it's hard sometimes to hear, oh, you got to cut it all out. Like, yes, that's just, that's not yeah. realistic. It's not. I mean, have you tried feeding children? You know, <laughs> they um, need goldfish. <laughs> I, exactly. They cry for snacks like most of the day. So it's just, you got to know how much are you going to give them? Mm. And then what am I going to, what am I like? You've got to eat these vegetables. We're going to do some protein, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, and it's the same thing for us. Like, learning to cut back on those things that we know aren't as healthy for us, trying to increase our intake, increase our water, and even thinking about intermittent fasting, just giving our bodies Mm. a break from digesting food that takes up so much energy, so much resources, and that, you know, definitely do that within a a healthcare provider setting, but uh, things like that that can help calm down our body because our bodies are constantly working and 
digest this food. Yeah. Uh, last week when we talked at the beginning of the show about book recommendations, I said I was going to read um, the book Fast Like a Girl. Is that Have you read it? Margaret? No. Okay. That sounds awesome. I have just finished the first chapter. So far, so Ooh. good. Um, I don't know anything yet. She's just kind of <laughs> laid out that this is what we're doing I with the book. It. But I, I am curious to dive a little bit deeper into fasted lifestyle, how that does impact our bodies and how not constantly making our bodies work to process food can actually act like medicine. Jay Richards has also written a, uh, a fasting book as well. That's really? good right before Lent. So oh. just to let you know that. Okay. That's <laughs> I read that great to know. Yeah. Do, do you have any tips for, for, you know, just nutrition and all of that for those moms out there with, with kids? Because oh I know that you're good at God this, bless. God, yeah. no. No, no, no. You, okay, I'm well, hold so on. I, I need to share one story. I hope you don't mind my no, sharing not this. not at all. But um, I think it was like five years ago when I first started at Heritage, we had a game where everyone shared like one random fact about themselves and everyone had to guess. And your random fact was that you would uh, like take um, things that grew in your backyard yeah. just naturally and put them in your smoothies Ooh, and that, from weeds. that point on weeds I have thought like oh marguerite is a dietary expert Bless you. because <laughs> like who thinks to do that like take things that are naturally growing and yeah. knows what they are enough to be like yes this is safe to eat <laughs> well th- there's like three things that grow in the backyard that I'm like yeah you know dandelions plantain and then some other stuff that like is is fine for a weed we were on a kick once and we just we read a lot on this my husband and I and uh, but yeah that stuff is great mm-hmm. and it does help it's very bitter mm-hmm. and eating bitter stuff while the taste is horrible, is really good for you. Oh, like it's very good. Um, it can like dandelion tea really helps um, yeah. get the toxins and out and just kind of make you feel a little a little lighter. Um, hmm. So yeah, I mean our our greens are so important. Um, but but I'm really awful about getting enough of them, and especially fruit. And like my kids and I, we don't eat fruit, but we do more veggies. Yeah, so well, that's better it's, for you anyway. Yeah, but it's a, it's a struggle. So I don't want any moms to think like, – because I get frustrated if it's just like, well, yeah, we have good days. And then we have days where we're like, I don't know. I give them sure. a bowl of yogurt and they're they're fed. <laughs> <laughs> they're not crying. They're, they're not crying. crying. <laughs> it's the ebb and flow of life. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Are, there, are there any recommendations that you would give for books that you feel like have been really helpful for you or, or podcasts on, on the nutrition front? No, I mean Kristen's going to be our expert oh. on that. She is she is uh, looking amazing and and doing the CrossFit. I just uh, no, I mean I I think that your point of balance is mm-hmm. so so accurate because there are days where I'm like, man, I had my I actually have a green smoothie. I can send you the recipe. It's Ooh, great and it has some fruit in it. Um, and it has spinach in it, which is bitter. So yeah. that's how I eat my spinach every day. But mm-hmm. um, I I think you're you're so right. It's all about balance because I'll have a green smoothie at you know 8 a.m. with mm-hmm. some protein after CrossFit, but then 8 p.m. I'll be having some milk bar ice cream out of the out of the like <laughs> container because it's been a hard day and I need yeah. some ice cream. So. Yeah. Well, and sometimes you just have to. It's like I have an inner temper tantrum in my mind that I've got to <laughs> I've got to deal with. So maybe you have like a spoonful of ice yeah. cream and you're just like, well, then that was a small victory I did. Right. You yeah. know, and then you're not giving in to like. I, I mean, I feel bad for people that are really stuck in this you know this uh, quandary of needing all that comfort food, mm-hmm. and then yeah, they do have health problems. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I will say um, 
some not all unhealthy food is is made alike and so a hershey's mm-hmm. chocolate bar and a dark chocolate bar are totally different True. i mm-hmm. went to a chocolate festival at the french embassy in oh. dc recently oh, it was actually amazing. a birthday present um and they had this really interesting machine where they were making they were grinding down the cocoa beans and the cocoa um, plant itself oh wow and there's a huge difference between mm-hmm. hershey's bar and what i had because what i had i could taste it 10 minutes later mm-hmm. and the science behind doing that is basically just totally using the plant itself mm-hmm. which alone the i think it's cacao actually i'm saying mm-hmm. cocoa the cacao is actually not super unhealthy and so they they integrated that into some flavoring and it was very interesting it satisfied my like literally a tiny dime's worth of it on a, a little spoon thing satisfied my need for chocolate i didn't want anything after that mm. and i had been cho- like not yeah. tasting that much so wow yeah, yeah. and it's that. just creating new habits right so yeah. like after i put the kids to bed i was on this kick right like i had to have some sort of like comfort food mm. and then just trying to switch that out with just having some tea so like i'm oh. sipping or i'm having something right there's just that yeah. that habit that, that you've, wanting you've got in mouth. your brain mm-hmm. um but it's not the same caloric intake you know so yeah. that that makes a, a difference too no so much of food does come down to habits yeah. and the patterns of of okay now my yeah. brain is telling me, okay, it's time to pick something up and put it in your mouth. Exactly. And yeah. but we get morning coffee. Sorry, I'm not giving it up. <laughs> 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 oh, well, Marguerite, thank you. This thank has you. been so fun. We've loved having you. Thanks for joining us. I love being on. Thank you. Oh, well, stay tuned because up next we crown our problematic woman of the week. Today, news you can trust feels like a rarity. That's why the Daily Signal podcast releases a top news edition every weekday at 5 p.m. Whether driving home from work, fixing dinner, or picking the kids up from soccer practice, you can stay informed on the headlines you care about. Every show is quick and succinct, designed to keep you up to speed on the issues that actually matter. Catch our top news edition right here in your Daily Signal podcast feed every evening. Or listen first thing in the morning before catching the day's interview. And be sure to subscribe on the Daily Signal podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, it is that time once again, my favorite time of the week. Time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to Jennifer Ferguson and Rachel Rogers. These two Lululemon employees were recently Mm -hmm. fired from Lululemon, a a retail store in Atlanta, after failing to follow the organization's zero-tolerance policy for pursuing shoplifters at their stores. Kind of ridiculous. (laughs) But that's right. The two were fired for calling the police on would-be robbers that broke into their Metro Atlanta store repeatedly, stealing as many items as possible. And in the video, I think I saw at least 10 pairs of leggings, which, I mean, if you're a, a Lululemon buyer like I am. That's like over $1,000. Yeah, that's easily <laughs> over like $1,000, depending on which. Some of them are even more. So um, yeah, you can you can hear in this video too, Jennifer is confronting the thieves despite their harassment. They're calling her names. They're harassing her. And um, meanwhile, she's remaining firm and deterring them. And even though she made no effort to physically prevent the thieves from stealing items or leaving the stores, which is what that policy explicitly says, she did later call the Gwinnett Police Department, um, leading to the robbers' arrests. And basically what she did is she followed the robbers to their cars, literally just took their license plate down and <laughs> told the police officers, hey, if you find a car with this license plate, they took the, the merchandise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um 
Rachel was also there in support. Jennifer kind of did a lot um, of the, you know, confronting. Yes, but they were not given specific reasoning for their terminations. They were simply fired only after speaking with a regional manager regarding their decision to call the police. A spokesperson for Lululemon responded to inquiry from Fox News with a statement saying the safety and security of our employees and guests is always Lululemon's top priority. And we have policies and protocols in place to uphold a safe environment. Wow. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're not caring for your employees if after they have gone out of their way to protect the store and defend the store, then they're fired. Now, I, I do understand why these zero tolerance policies exist. They exist to protect employees so that employees don't feel like when someone comes in and robs the store, then they have to chase after them and they'll get in trouble if they don't. I totally get that. And and I understand maybe Lululemon would talk to these employees and say, hey, you know, thank you so much for what you did, but for your own safety, you know, please don't do that again. You know, what if one of these individuals had had a weapon and they pulled it on you mm-hmm. on the way to the car? Like that could have been a serious and deadly situation. But I in no way see a justification for firing these employees. I mean, the message that that sends to other Lululemon employees uh, and even more so the message that it sends to future would-be robbers is Lululemon's doors are wide open. Come on in, take whatever you want, and we're not going to do anything to stop you. And we have seen the effect, the devastating effect that that's had on many businesses, especially in California, like the example of Walgreens, where there's so much robbery that it becomes unsustainable for these businesses to keep stores open in certain locations where there's just such rampant uh, theft and such rampant looting. So I I really applaud these women. That took incredible courage for Jennifer and and Rachel to follow these robbers. And I just imagine that this wasn't the first time. Like this is after they've been worn down and they're saying we are so tired of watching people come in and take advantage of a store that we work at. We're giving our time Mm -hmm. um, to serve and to work here. And people work hard to have enough money to buy Lululemon. It's good quality stuff. It's not cheap. And these individuals are just coming in and robbing. And they said, you know, finally, we're going to put our foot down. And then they're punished for it. It's a really stark contrast to that of Waffle House. And I think this is where you can also <laughs> kind of see the, the difference in where they lie on the, the political agenda mm-hmm. meter. If For those of that, you that might not remember, a Waffle House employee literally had a, a chair thrown at her and she mm-hmm. just swatted it down like it was nothing. It was a Captain <laughs> Marvel moment. It was insane. She was so cool. I think she was also told basically that she could come back to any Waffle House location anywhere after she, you know, quote unquote, retired from Waffle House to go (laughs) elsewhere. Um, Totally different response. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, if it were me, Jennifer and Rachel would be lifelong Lululemon, at least discount holders, because that's huge. I know when I got mine, (laughs) I was like, all right, I'm about to spend more than what those thieves were about to rob. Um, But I, I do I do think that they stood their ground. They knew the worth of their work. And they should be proud of that. And I think that's what makes them such problematic women for standing standing up for their values and their beliefs. For being courageous. Good job, Jennifer and Rachel. And we hope that you find better jobs soon. Move on You deserve better. You deserve better. (laughs) (laughs) But with that, that's going to be it for today's edition of Problematic Women. 
as conservatives, we need your support in the podcast world. So if you have not done so, head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Let us know what you like about the show. Yeah, let us know and have a great week, guys. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.